Well, this Lenten season that's upon us is is traditionally a a time of self-reflection, of penitence, of fasting. It's it's an opportunity for for personal inventory, a time to to recognize, as I've said tonight, our our own mess, a time to, to be intentional. Our general presbyter in an email this week termed it an, an annual setting aside of time in order to prepare, discern, and repent. And what struck me in that sentence was just the reminder that this is an annual process we go through. This word Lent, it comes from the Middle English word for springtime, and so there, there is this sense in which the Lenten season is is this annual spring cleaning that we are called to. Lent constitutes the the 40 days leading up to Easter Sunday, and that's not including Sundays, um, because traditionally Sundays were not observed as fasting days. So yes, not only is it a time of reflection, of, of taking personal inventory, but also of fasting. And I don't know if you have ever observed that tradition of, of self-denial, of, of giving something up in this season, but it has and continues to strike me sometimes as odd. I find myself wondering what God cares about whether or not I eat chocolate for 40 days or not. In what ways is that helping me to grow spiritually? So why fast? I mean, what, what is the purpose of, of denying oneself? Uh, you know, is it because God finds some joy in watching us stumble around without caffeine in the morning for 40 days or watching us forego dessert? Per, perhaps there is something significant, however, about learning to exercise that muscle of saying no to ourselves. And our scripture this evening speaks directly into this. I invite you to turn in the Bibles that you've brought with you in your pew Bibles or in your mobile devices to the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. And we find here God speaking through the prophet to his people about this practice of fasting. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and announce to my people their rebellion to the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? 
Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your kin? Then, then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom shall be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's powerful stuff, isn't it? Man. In our scripture, God, God says to the people of Israel and to us, I don't want your fasting if you're not going to live in ways that makes your community better. Keep it to yourself. Your religious habits are, are not really what matter to me. It's how your habits affect your neighbors that I care about. So how do your habits affect your neighbors? How do our habits affect the people here in our community? The ways that we we choose to live, what impacts do they have on those around us? If you happen to watch the Super Bowl this past Sunday, you may have noticed now for the second year in a row, as as someone tweeted, I'm not sure if we still say tweeted. Is it X'd now? At any rate, as someone tweeted, you may have noticed a commercial for Jesus. And by now, you may have familiarized yourself with this campaign called He Gets Us. Using this sort of modern marketing and advertising strategy, the campaign seeks to refocus people's attention on the figure of Jesus Christ 
and on his teachings, on, on putting others first, on seeking to comfort the suffering, forgiving those who have wronged us, feeding the hungry, loving rather than hating. You know, the campaign seeks to do this in opposition to all of the ways that we misunderstand Jesus' teachings, the ways that, that we have, as Christians have often misrepresented Jesus' teachings, the ways that we have served our own interests before those in our communities, the ways that we have failed to feed the hungry and house the homeless and clothe the naked and, and satisfy the needs of the afflicted. A campaign like that is only necessary because because we get it wrong a lot. The way we treat others matters and, and the ways that we do or don't care for others, it matters too and, and it matters to God. And so this Lenten season, we have this opportunity to to ask some hard questions of ourselves. How are we misrepresenting who God has created us to be? How are we misunderstanding who God has created us to be and, and what God has created us to do? And in what ways do we make necessary campaigns like he gets us? Lent's an opportunity for us to to ask these kinds of questions. Poet and essayist Kathleen Norris in her 1998 work, Amazing Grace, describes an exercise that she um, does with young children, asking them to, to write poetry as a means of expressing and processing their anger and discontent. And in the work, she, she tells a specific story of a, of a young boy who, who wrote a poem entitled, The Monster Who Was Sorry. The poem begins with the boy sharing that he hates it when his father yells at him. And the boy's response to his father's yelling in, in the poem is, is to throw his sister down the stairs and then to, to wreck his room and then finally to wreck the whole town. And the final line of the poem is, then I sit in my messy house and I say to myself, I shouldn't have done all that. Then I sit in my messy house and I say to myself, I shouldn't have done all that. Norris concludes suggesting that, that if the boy had been a novice in the fourth century monastic desert, his elders might have told him that he was well on his way to repentance and not so much a monster after all. I 
I think what Norris is getting at is, is there is power in that kind of self-awareness. The kind of awareness where we look around us and we see the mess that we are sitting in, the mess that we have become, the mess that we have created. Recognizing the mess is one of the first steps to cleaning it up. But I think there are things that get in the way of us recognizing our own messes. As we were just preparing to come out here tonight, I was reminded that the last time that Valentine's Day fell on Ash Wednesday was the same day that Nicholas Cruz opened up fire in Parkland. A day of unimaginable horror and grief. And as I consider that, I'm aware that one of the dangers, one of the things preventing us from seeing our own mess is we find others, we find those Nicholas Cruises, right? Those people to whom we compare ourselves, to whom we say their mess is so Big, I'm not so messy after all. But friends, we're not given that luxury because that Nicholas is made up of the same stuff as this Nicholas. I am as capable as he is, and I am as culpable my mess as he is. And so this, this season is an opportunity for us to recognize our mess, but it's not. It's not about inducing shame. It's not about falling under the weight of guilt. And I think this is the other piece that can prevent us from from examining our own messes. You see, friends, it's not about labeling ourselves as monsters. We are, each of us, occupants of our own messy houses, and there is freedom in the recognition that that none of us, none of us have it all buttoned up. It's not about inducing shame and guilt. It's, It's just 
about knowing where to start cleaning up. It's not about shame and and guilt in the same way that the purpose of the prophet's words here are not to induce an overwhelming sense of shame or paralyzing guilt. It's not to induce self-mortification or self-flagellation or self-imposed punishment. In fact, it's quite clear as to what as to what the prophet and why the prophet wants them to change their ways. He tells them, go and do good. Don't sit around and feel bad about it. It, it, it's It's not that I want you to feel bad, to feel shame. It's that I want you to be generous, to serve others, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to be honest in your work. This, this is the kind of fast that God requires. This is the kind of fast that God desires. And as we consider it, this is necessarily a form of fasting. Hear that again, to to be generous, to serve others, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to be honest in our work. It's all a form of fasting because self-denial is required for all of those activities. To be generous, we must pay others before we pay ourselves. To serve others, we must say that you matter more to me than I do. To feed the hungry, we give off of our own plate. Being generous, serving others, feeding the hungry, all of it. Self-denial is at the root of it. This is fasting. And it is self-denial, but it's not punishment. It's not about fasting in order to somehow make up for the sins of the past. God does not desire that. And it isn't somehow payment for, for past transgressions. Even in the midst of our own messy houses, we celebrate still a risen Lord. A risen Lord that came to take away the sins of the world. I mentioned that Sundays are not included in the Lenten 40 days of fasting. And do you know why that is? It's because even in this season of contemplating our own mess, we still celebrate Christ's resurrection on the first day of the week, every week. We are reminded that our identity is grounded in the grace provided through Christ's death and resurrection. We are reminded each week that we are free from our shame and guilt. We are freed to serve others. And when we do, Isaiah reminds us that that something transformative happens. Share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house. And then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt 
Friends, Isaiah says, do these things and your community will be transformed. Friends, God's grace transforms each one of us, frees us from the shame of our sin so that we might deny ourselves and serve others. Transforming our communities into places of blessing. Friends, let this be our fast this Lenten season. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As a part of tonight's worship service, um, we will impose ashes, and ashes have been used by Christians for more than a thousand years in order to mark the beginning of the Lenten season. You know, throughout Scripture, ashes are a symbol of of purification and of repentance. And so tonight we impose ashes as as a physical reminder of our sin and our mortality, but also as a reminder of our utter dependence on God for forgiveness and salvation. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward for the imposition of ashes, and you'll come down the center aisles and return down the sides. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. Grant that these ashes may be to us a sign of our mortality and penitence so that we may remember that only by your gracious gift are we given everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, come forward for the imposition of ashes.